Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about reincarnation, uh, my personal understanding of it, my belief in it, and how we can use the thought exercise of reincarnation to transmute energy so that we can feel close to others and get into a more non-dualistic headspace rather than our current us and them mindset that we've got going on in our culture right now. Um, In fact, I do believe that a belief in reincarnation or at least the thought exercise of it could do us some good. But before we get into all that, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being and all that that entails, you can do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com where you can find links to both the books, um, apparel, art prints, that sort of thing, as well as a button for the Patreon page that will allow you to pledge a $1 or $5 a month ongoing uh, five, I'm sorry, $5 a month ongoing donation to the Infinite Spark of Being. So uh, reincarnation, transmuting energy, here we go. first trying to understand this idea of reincarnation, I kept getting wrapped up in logic, namely the Western Christian logic that I grew up with, uh, just our Western understanding of things and our understanding of linear time. Um, At the time, reincarnation was just kind of this head-shaking concept. It wasn't that I simply disagreed with it. It was that my brain couldn't get it. It was like, I was trying to understand some weird mathematics. Um, you know how some things, you just they just don't make sense at first. Like they're so incongruent to your understanding of how things are that you just can't fuck with it. It's, it, it requires neural pathways you just don't have. Well, that was, that's how it was for me. And Being that I have the karma that I have, I wasn't going to be happy or content with just nodding my head and going along with it because my teacher at the time said it. You know, it had this level of infinitude that my mind couldn't comprehend at the time. So I've mentioned previously, my teacher told me the story that Buddha told about the dove with a scarf in its mouth, dragging it along the mountain and the amount of time that it would take to wear a groove in the mountain with this scarf is how long we've been taking birth. But all I could think was a scarf would never do that. <laughs> That's the level of infinitude I'm talking about. And the next thought was basically, well, fuck it, what's the point? But again, due to the attractions and aversions in my mind, uh, my karma, I didn't give up. I kept up with my practice and I kept attempting to make some kind of sense of this idea of reincarnation. Um, I began to understand what I understood that kind of put me at ease was that the reactions I was having were just my mind. It, It wasn't me. It wasn't that my intuition was, my intuition was telling me wrong. It's just that my brain didn't, didn't get it. My ego couldn't wrap its head around it. So 
I'm going to jump straight into transmuting energy now because it's going to play a huge role in using the thought exercise of reincarnation in order to cultivate friendliness, uh, closeness, and ultimately compassion through non-duality. Now, I'll refer to reincarnation as a thought exercise to be diplomatic, basically. The reason being that even though I've had experiences that would lead me to believe that there are multiple births and multiple timelines, so to speak, I don't really know. I mean, yes, I had experiences and those experiences were perceived by my senses or my nervous system, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't make it objectively real. Now, I guess I could just decide that uh, it was an objectively real experience and my perception of these things is wholly accurate, but does that even matter? Does it, does it matter when all I'm trying to do here is live this life as best as I can with as much love and compassion as I can? And I, I just don't think it does. But some might say yes, because we're all trying to ascend and, and all that fun new age stuff, but... I find that making it special, involving the ego, and then discussing it like a special experience easily feeds the egoic mind. Uh, typically, when a human mind engages in that sort of thing, there's a need to attach to it, and that attachment leads to self-righteousness. And according to the Vedic literature, self-righteousness is the golden chain. It's the heaviest and the hardest to break. So... My upcoming YouTube page dedicated to reincarnation and past lives where I interview channelers and indigo children is going to have to be postponed. Um, I'm joking. So transmute means to change something in form, nature, or substance. And the law of perpetual transmutation says that energy isn't created or destroyed. It only changes from one form to another. This isn't mysticism, it's just how things are. Well, like me, if you've ever fallen down the desperate YouTube rabbit hole of manifesting because you were finally at a loss and simply hated your life, then you heard of the idea of imagining your life going well or imagining that it would what it would feel like to obtain your dream, whatever your dream is. Well, that's the beginning of transmuting energy in the occult sense, which is how we'll be engaging uh, with the concept in this episode. I don't know if you've picked up on this yet, but Hinduism, Buddhism, and Western occultism complement each other greatly. So um, again, I beg you, stop getting your knowledge of yoga, meditation, and the Vedas from hashtags and memes, and please crack a book and study. It'll be worth it. I promise it'll be worth it. Some of these books are just mind-numbingly dry, but they're worth it. Um, if I could recommend, you go get yourself some Alice Bailey, uh, maybe some Helena Petrova Blavatsky, and a little Crowley. Uh, get you started there. Um, but you need this stuff in your life. Don't be scared of it. Tell your family that if you need to call an exorcist, I'll pay for it. I got you. Like, you know. um, why shouldn't you use all the tools at your disposal? Right. Anyway, I love you guys. I just want you to just want you to get out of, get out there and get weird. So, um, and uh, real quick, I feel like I have to say this because I mentioned Helena Petrova Blavatsky, and being that the nature of our culture right now is that we do not do any research or look into anything on our own. Um, 
somebody is bound to say, didn't the Nazis get their ideas from Blavatsky? They did not. They got their ideas from somebody who misinterpreted Blavatsky. When Blavatsky says race, she means like human beings are a race, demigods are a race, gods are a race, celestials are a race, fucking Bigfoot. You get what I'm saying. She didn't mean... I can't. Anyway, just do your own homework. So nowadays, as uh, people are screaming at the sky about this being a simulation and how life is an illusion, I'm going to attempt to to, uh, shed a little bit of light on that as it is vital to understand all of what I'm talking about today. The word illusion means something that is wrongly perceived by the senses. Now, in all of this ancient literature, when it's said that the senses need to be mastered or that we are enslaved by the senses, it doesn't simply mean sight, smell, taste, hearing, and your genitals. It means the nervous system as a whole. Uh, think about this. When you're sad, angry, uh, anxious, or whatever, you know that one of those things is happening because of how the body feels. Um, What's going on is your subconscious mind has perceived something. It sent a signal into your body, and now the conscious mind is picking up on it and using its fantasy and imagination feature to expand on it, to uh, tell a story about it, and eventually drive you to do something to change or eliminate the sensations in the body. Uh, Well, that feeling in the body is happening due to the nervous system. The nervous system is how the soul through the subtle body is feeling into three-dimensional reality or this three-dimensional plane. Well, what if the subconscious mind is perceiving something incorrectly? Haven't you ever misunderstood someone's intentions gotten mad, and then later apologized because you acted a kind of way. Well, you experienced an illusion. Phenomena was wrongly perceived by the senses. So when it's said that this is an illusion, that's what it means. It doesn't mean that there's a lizard person fucking with you like it's the Truman Show. It's just not being perceived purely because it can't. There is no objective reality. There's nothing objective to perceive. So we're left with the subjective experience. And I want to remind you, perception is a cognitive faculty of the mind. And what you perceive about all of the shit going on around you says more about you than it does everyone else or everything else. This is you. This is a hall of mirrors. You you are looking only at yourself and you can't seem to find a way out. So in that scenario that I just described, the mind perceived and the body felt. The mind perceived something bad or dangerous and it sent a signal into the body which then caused the conscious mind to elaborate on it, which at that point, We began acting foolish in an effort to eliminate or change the feelings in the body. Well, what if we created a little space and took the time to perceive something good or pleasurable? Remember, uh, we got our Neville Goddard quote, your subconscious impressions 
create the conditions of your world. So rather than worrying about perceiving particular events in the past or future in a certain way, what if we began working with imagining the world as a whole a certain way? Your experience of life a certain way? Well, if you sit with that long enough, the body feels something. Um, when you imagine love and closeness, you feel love and closeness. Well, if you're anything like me, that doesn't work. I need help. Um, I need something to juice the system, something to get me started, something to prime the pump. I need to use certain words. Why? Because remember, language is a cognitive faculty of the mind as well as perception, the way we perceive. Language is how the mind puts things into context. It's how the mind knows what to do with all of these symbols. The mind, to the mind, everything is a symbol. And these symbols tell the mind what signal to send into the body, whether it's dangerous, love, or sadness. Well, language is how that happens. Um, hopefully, this is putting a bow on a few things like the widget analogy from past episodes. Um, so let's look at reincarnation as a concept. We have this bird and scarf story to give us an idea of how many births and deaths we're talking about. Again, I don't know if this is true. And I don't, even, I don't even fucking care. It doesn't matter. Bear with me. So by this measurement, we can assume that everyone we encounter uh, has been our mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, uh, aunt, uncle, best friend, on and on and on. Well, that starts to freak the ego out because the ego has a list of people it, ha people it hates. It doesn't like this person or that person because, you know, they voted for this person. They didn't get a vaccine or they have this hobby or that hobby or hobby or it, it doesn't, you know, doesn't believe in this thing or that. Who the fuck knows? You know, maybe they have certain stickers on their car. I have no idea. That's the ego. But just, just, but just put it that way, right? That it's the ego and to kind of stash that somewhere. Don't worry about it right now. So that's the mind trying to find truth and reason. But we're souls. We don't need truth and reason. The body does. The mind does. But think like a soul for a second. Pretend you don't have biological imperatives. Pretend that you do not have an evolutionary psychology. So of those things that everyone has been in my life, Mother is the one that touches me the most. The word mother brings up certain images uh, in the mind that create certain feelings. Um, so here's where transmutation comes in. So many people love the idea of non-duality, uh, this idea that we're all one thing looking at itself and that we're all at least a universalist family. Um, and they, they love... Uh, they love the idea of compassion and all that stuff, but only for people they find eligible. The rest can go fuck off. Well, this is where the path gets steep. So you might want to go get a fucking rope. So when I'm transmuting energy, I'm taking the energy created by my mind uh, for the word mother, for instance, and essentially projecting it onto someone else. 
I'm feeling into the word mother, not with words or descriptions, but with the feeling in the body. And for me, it's a kind of warm, heavy blanket. It's safe. And when I pull that up and let it fill me and I look at someone else, I can't help but smile. I feel a sense of warmth and open-heartedness. And when I feel that warmth and open-heartedness, I act different. I present differently. It keeps me in love with all of it. I use transmutation at work a lot. Um, There are people with difficult stories that I have to stay open to. Um, I have to help them. It's not just my job that I definitely signed up for, but it is also my spiritual duty. Um, Some of these people have done pretty shitty things due to their past pain um, or addiction or what have you, and I can't shut down to them. I can't judge them. So for me, the idea of mother or old friend puts me in a place to hear them and see them separately from their actions. Um, We've all loved someone who did some wild shit, and we loved them through it. We loved them because we knew who they were, or at least who they were 99% of the time, or I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, 50% of the time. Well, for me, that's what I'm working with. I know, uh, I know that they're souls, and as souls, we are all part and parcel of Source, or Krishna, or God, or whatever, and that makes us family. That links us. We're, we're all nodes on Indra's net of jewels. And beyond that, we're all fingers on the same hand. You know? Um, I love you and I don't know you. Does that mean I'm going to sign off on all your bullshit? Sometimes. Sometimes not. I don't know. I have to navigate my own karma. I have to navigate my own mind through this as well. But ultimately, we can't forget that this is a curriculum. We're all headed up the mountain, and sometimes it gets really steep. So so you believe you've lived past lives, but you know, you don't stop to consider the vastness of that concept. You know, you only concern yourself with your own story. You forget that your story has been weaving its way through everyone else's story. You know, and then you zoom out far enough and see that it's all one thing. It's all Indra's net of jewels. It's all one consciousness. Toes on a foot, right? Fingers on a hand. But it's all mother. You know, it's all father. Feel into that, you know, feel into that love, that compassion, that understanding, you know, uh, that understanding, you can project that onto others. It works. It's, it's very, it's worked very well for me. Um, so that's it for reincarnation and transmuting energy. I hope it was helpful. I hope that you find this beneficial. Um, as usual, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to reach out. I'll always respond. And as I mentioned before, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being and all of its facets, please do that at the infinitesparkofbeing.com where there, uh, there's a link to the Patreon page 
as well as a link to the two books, uh, uh, other merch like shirts and tank tops and posters. And as usual, don't forget, you can always reach out and talk. We're old friends. 